You're listening to the Yoga Teacher Resource Podcast. Knowledge, techniques, and inspiration for your teaching and your practice. I'm your host, Mado Hesselink. If you're a yoga teacher who loves learning, is passionate about spreading the benefits of yoga, and desires more resources to support your teaching, you're in the right place. Let's get started with today's episode. Hello, yoga teacher. Today's episode is an on-air coaching call where I take a fellow yoga teacher through a mini strategy session. These on-air coaching calls are a great way to get a taste of what it's like to work with me one-on-one, but they're also a fascinating peek into the brain and business of other yoga teachers. The teachers who participate are incredibly generous and brave to allow me to share their experience, their stories on the podcast, and I have so much respect for each of them. If you would like my help with your teaching or your yoga business, I'd love to connect with you. You can find out more about my paid strategy sessions at teachingyoga.net slash coaching. You can also get peer help from other listeners on the Yoga Teacher Resource Facebook group. If you're not a member yet, go to teachingyoga.net slash join. You can pause and do that right now so you don't forget. And when you get back, we'll jump right into today's call. We want to bring yoga and movement to people who don't realize yoga is for them, body shape, economic background, varying abilities, race, and ethnicity. I want the diversity that exists in my community to also exist in my yoga clients. I need help clarifying and focusing my niche. I want to work on inclusive language. Okay, so those are the two basic, your two basic goals for today is clarifying your niche and working on inclusive language. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is there anything yeah. else? Um, I don't think so. I think when I sit down and I think about how I'm going to kind of get the word out there, that's where I get stuck. Because I talk to women and men and I say like yoga is for everyone. It can help. It can help you. It can help you. It does it it doesn't matter. Can't touch my toes. It doesn't matter. I can't raise my arms above my head. It doesn't matter. Right. And nobody really believes that. So I don't know if there's any kind of what other options there are for that communication. Like, yeah, you really can just show up, just try a session, try a class. That is a very big and important topic. I'm glad that you brought it up. I'm not the only one struggling with it then. No, no, not by a long shot. And I think that there's two approaches that we can take. One is to talk about what we do without using the word yoga. Mm. And two is to redefine what yoga means in in the minds of the public. And this is, this is a conversation I've been actually having a lot lately. Uh, yesterday, I did a Facebook Live talking about what I see as yoga's PR problem. And some people take an issue with that. <laughs> some people say, <laughs> yoga doesn't have a PR problem. You know, everybody who doesn't understand yoga has a problem. And mm. um, of course, that's true. 
Of course, that's absolutely true. Yoga has no problems. <laughs> right. None. <laughs> Those of us who wish to share yoga with populations who don't connect with the language that we're currently using, we have a problem, right? Mm -hmm. We have a problem mm -hmm. in communicating the value of what we do to the people we want to help. Yes. The two ways that we can work around that or start to solve our problem, well, actually it's one way. It's refining our language because mm -hmm. that's the main tool that we have. We are not going to convince people by posting pictures on social media. That is not going to change people's minds because yoga is an internal state and you cannot take a picture of an internal state. Mm -hmm. Even the photos of people meditating that look all blissed out, that doesn't, mm -mm. that doesn't tell us what it is because it's not about being happy or joyful. It's mm -hmm. about being present with everything, the full spectrum and understanding what is beyond our experience as a, like as a bodied, embodied person with feelings, with joys and challenges and desires and goals, what's beyond all of that. That is yoga. And that is very difficult to talk about. Mm -hmm. Especially when we use the word yoga, which people have, people are sure they know what it means. Mm -hmm. And they're sure it means that you have to be flexible and do these poses. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. pictures aren't going to work. We have to use words. We have to use our own words. We can't copy somebody else's words because words have power when they are spoken by somebody who not only believes them, when the words are coming from your lived experience. Mm -hmm. So it's not about faith. It's not about, well, I trust this person and this is what they said. Right. Because that's why we love yoga. That's why many of us started teaching yoga is because we had a lived experience that transcended what people talked about, that transcended words. So there's a paradox in trying to use words to talk about this experience. Yes. But it's the tool that we have. It's the only tool we have. We need to practice talking about yoga without using the word yoga. You know, you have a broad niche right now, which is basically people who don't see themselves in yoga yet. And right. we, we can work on refining that for sure. But when that is your niche, it's important to know how to talk about yoga without using any Sanskrit. Mm -hmm. So for example, some of the feedback I got on the Facebook Live that I did was, well, yoga is already defined. You don't need to redefine it. Here are the text, the definitions of yoga from yogic texts. Boom, 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 boom. Really great information. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. not going to resonate with people who don't see themselves in that, people who don't understand Sanskrit, people who have no interest in Sanskrit, people mm -hmm. who um, feel like Sanskrit is actually going to take them further from yoga. Mm -hmm. It's going to be a barrier. Right. So that's one side. All of it is about refining language, but one side is talking about yoga without using the word yoga. Okay. And then, and also 
hey, everybody, this is what yoga actually is. So that we continue, whether that is on social media or one-to-one in person, that we refine our ability to clearly and succinctly share what yoga actually is versus what people think it is. Mm -hmm. And at first, when you try to talk to people about yoga, people say, oh, I can't do yoga because I can't touch my toes. And you're like, no, 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 you can, you can. Your words are going to be super awkward. And you're going to be like, I know what I'm trying to say, but I can't quite say it. And they're going to look at you blankly. And you're going to be like, ah, is it, is this impossible? Is it like, can I reach is yes, you can, but you need to practice. It's not easy. Mm -hmm. You're using form to describe something formless. Right. Ooh, that's good. So you, you have to practice, you have to refine, you'll never do it perfectly but you can get better at it and find opportunities to do it. Don't just do it when, when like it randomly comes to you to do it, but find opportunities to have these conversations. Then watch the response. What are the turns of phrase that land with people? And sometimes it'll be more subtle and you're, you'll see like a subtle kind of softening in their, in their eyes, around their eyes. And sometimes they'll give you really great feedback like, oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> Let's move into your niche. <laughs> what is it that you love about yoga? Mm. It started off <clears throat> that it was a moving meditation. It helped me get still, but I wasn't physically still. Mm. And that is something that I still, to this day, love about it. That it helps me to feel centered and quiet, but I'm still working. And still still, working. still the fluctuations of the mind? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. In the recent years, I've noticed a difference. Like I know what it's like to be in my body now. And it's amazing to think about when I didn't realize that when I wasn't aware of anything. So it's really helped me to be aware of myself. And in that sense, it feels, I feel more complete. Like I'm not two different people, which I always most of my teenage, all of my teenage years and most of my twenties, to be honest, I was separate from my body. That's how I pictured myself. It's like two different things. So yoga helped that come together and it's healing. It's healing on all levels and it's accessible. It's so accessible. And this, you know, ties in with you know, like the whole question, what is yoga and what language do we use? Yeah, because you, you just did it perfectly. I mean, keep working with what you just told me. Okay. Tell, tell other people that. Yeah. Because, and it's also, you get to choose what it is. You get to choose. Sort of. What it is for you. So, right. So, well, let's say your intention going in. So I had a new a 75 year old man come to class on Tuesday and he was just there because his doctor told him that he needed to be there, which was great. Never done it before. And I wasn't sure that he was going to come back because he really struggled with it, that he couldn't balance 
and all of these things, right? And then this morning he was back and he's going to keep coming back. And right now for him, it's just because his doctor told him to, and he realized he didn't fall over. And when I first went, it was for like that meditation, that stillness, but to also get an exercise in, but it works on you, right? Like it, it works on you. So if you think you want it to be one thing, it doesn't have to look like meditation or be meditation. It doesn't have to be spiritual at first. You just kind of have to show up and know that you want to be there, but maybe you don't know why I think. And that is quite different from going into a weight room and starting an exercise program. So I think in that way it can be accessible too. like your intention can be many different things, but it's going to work on you because of what it is, the process. It might, it might work on you, but I think it's important not to be, um, it's not quite a fundamentalist, but the truth is that not everybody is going to resonate with every practice. So many people start yoga and either the teacher wasn't a good fit or they just were not open to the practice and they never get anything beyond, yeah, I learned how to do some poses. I mean, that is, some people don't have the magical experience we have. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important to understand that the poses are not magic. They are a tool and they're one of many tools. And for some people, especially if you have a great teacher who provides context and a safe space, yes, the, 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 the tools work and they help to strip away some of the boundaries and the barriers that prevent us from experiencing our wholeness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. But it's not a given. It's not, and there's nothing wrong with you if somebody comes to your class and tries it for a few weeks or a few months and then drifts away and, and never had the magic. That's, mm-hmm. not, that's not your fault. Mm-hmm. Because there's many ways to access yoga, and we can't be the right conduit for everybody. Right. Maybe that's what I was trying to get to. Yeah. Yeah. Is that there are just so many different, there are so many different options and different fits. Yeah. And we do know that many people start out coming to yoga classes because their doctor told them to or because they think they need to be more flexible and they experience some magic, some transformation. And that gets them curious, like, whoa, what is this? And they start exploring all the other pieces of the puzzle. And I do think as yoga teachers, it is our responsibility to share that bigger context in the best way we know how. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When you think, how many classes a week do you teach? What's the context that you teach in? Right now, I'm only teaching two. Early bird yoga, 6.30 to 7.30. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's just mixed level. I get to do 
whatever. Is it at a studio? It's at a gym. It's at a wellness center, the hospital's wellness center. And what's your population like? It varies from day to day. I have usually my regulars are between 40 and 80 years old. Mm -hmm. And a few of them went to this class months ago when there was a teacher. So they were without an instructor for a couple of months at that time. So they'd been off from yoga for a few months and came back. So some of them are familiar with the practice, but recently I've had some new people coming in who've never practiced before, only took one or two. So how many people per class usually? Four to five. So a small group. Do you get paid per class? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is it, is it a fair wage? <laughs> I remember listening to your podcasts about fair wage. I think it might be a little bit below, but I have free access to the gym and the pool and all of the classes. What, uh, do you mind sharing what your wage is? It's 14 a class, it, but four people have to show up. $14 a class? Mm-hmm. And you have another job? Yes, I do. Obviously. I'm, I'm a, <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm a part-time instructor. Yes, very obviously. Uh, yeah, part-time. So I'm teaching four classes at one university and two at another. And what's your vision for, for the future with your teaching? Well, you said already you want to have people out at your barn. Are you... Are you <laughs> Uh, are you wanting to move away from teaching in the university and just teach yoga or are you thinking to kind of combine them? So that, that farm dream is, you know, maybe 10 or 15 year, the dream. Okay. I think I would eventually like to not have to teach college Yeah. and just bring yoga, which I do have a question about that, what to call it here in a minute, but just to bring that to small groups or, privates or anybody, I really would love to be able to give people what they need mm -hmm. and not, not teach college would be great. Yeah. And you said you had a question that came up? Yes. So I've been thinking about, you know, what to call it. So I, I have a very simple website. And so if we're calling, you know, if we're naming our business or naming what we do, do we want to avoid the word yoga in that name? of what it is. Because if we call it movement, then people might think, are you talking about dance? <laughs> what kind of movement? What I think happens is that we put the cart before the horse and we try to come up with the name before we choose the niche. So the right. niche will inform mm -hmm. you. Okay. You're all, you always want to look at who am I talking to and what words are going to resonate for them. Okay. What words are going to draw them towards me? the right mm -hmm. people, the people that I can help the most, what words can I use that will attract them? And you certainly don't want to be misleading with your words. You don't want to do a bait and switch. Mm -hmm. It's not like get your hot power vinyasa. <laughs> and by the way, I'm going to sneakily teach you the yoga sutras. Right. Right. But you can be honest and skillful with your words at the same time. So instead of focusing on the process, focus on the results. 
and focus on the results that you know through your practice, through your lived experience that yoga can provide people and these specific people, it might not be everything that they're going to get from yoga, but it is the piece that they are going to care about the most in the beginning. And that doesn't have to be clear right now because we haven't figured out who these people are yet. Right. Right. So your intention is to stay in Kentucky and buy a farm. Yes. I don't know if I'm going to be staying in Kentucky, but buying a farm somewhere. Somewhere. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. Because where that farm is, unless you're planning to draw people from all over to visit your farm, if you plan to draw from your local community, which if you want to teach, if you want to teach people who don't already think of themselves as like capable of doing yoga, don't see themselves in that, mostly you're going to find those in local communities. You're not going to get those people to travel across the country to study with you at your farm unless you've already converted them, right? right? Unless you've Mm -hmm. moved them Mm -hmm. from somebody who doesn't think of themselves as a yogi to somebody who does. Mm -hmm. So that's a question. Are you thinking that you want to draw people from all over or are you thinking, Mm -hmm. no? Okay, Mm -hmm. here's the challenge. We don't know where the farm's going to be. So we don't know what the community is going to be like. So that's going to make it more difficult to find a niche unless you choose your niche and then you choose your farm based on your niche, like your location based on your niche. Right. Right. I think if I, where I am right now is the kind of place that I always want to be in. Okay. And what kind of place is that? Small town, working people. There's a, a college in town, center college. So some college students, family people, kind of like if someone would think about Kentucky and imagine it, just any town in Kentucky. Yeah, it kind of feels like that. Mm -hmm. It reminds me of home, where I'm from. Okay. When you think about your handful of regulars in your yoga classes, Mm -hmm. Is there one or two people who really stand out as being a joy to teach for you? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Tell me about them. Mm. Well, the, the one woman came back after not feeling well for a while and she's older. She's definitely, she's older than the rest of the class. And um, so she's the 80 year old. Mm-hmm. She is. Yes. And she is present every moment, every moment. And you, it's funny how you can feel that in somebody, but I, I watch her and I, you know, I walk around and I watch them all. But when I see her, she's just there. Like she's already got that connection with her, with her body. She's aware of it. She knows. And she's just doing it. Yeah. And she doesn't ever stop. She doesn't ever stop. And it's really her practice. And she's there the whole time. She's there the whole time. And it's amazing. It really is. There is something really special about working with older people. Mm -hmm. 
so frequently they will come to yoga and the very first class they're like, this is it. This is my practice. And they're 70, 80 years old. And they're like, yep, mm -hmm. this is what I want. So, I mean, I think that older people are a fantastic niche. Mm -hmm. If that's a joy for you, if that resonates for you. Over time, right now, your population is really small. You only have a handful of students to draw from to, to, to figure out. But I would you know, one idea is you could organize a class, especially for older people, because if you can get, let's say, you, you know, it's possible that you can build a class to, oh man, if you get the, the great, the other great thing about older people is that once they commit to you, mm -hmm. they are there. Mm -hmm. <laughs> nothing, nothing's yeah. going to keep them away. Mm -hmm. So you could easily build a class of 10, 15, 20 older people, especially if that's, if, if there's not a lot of offering, mm -hmm. I don't like to use the word seniors too much, or I like elders. Elders sounds kind of respectful. Mm -hmm. Just saying elders, that's, that's a niche. That's a good enough niche, but you, the more refined you can get with it, the more narrow you can get with it, the clearer your language will be. Okay. So do you have bandwidth to start a new class in your life? Bandwidth in your life? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe one, <laughs> one new class right now. <laughs> yeah. I think the easiest thing to do would be to find a place or an organization where elders already gather, like a senior center mm -hmm. or a lifelong learning center through the college if they have one. Okay. And see about offering a class, especially, you know, places like that are all we're going to have infrastructure for sh like marketing the classes, infrastructure for signups, et cetera. So that would be um, my next recommended assignment is to research places that are already catering to elders and offering them classes and making contact. Okay. Tell me a little bit more about your thoughts about inclusive language. And is there any, what specifically do you want to work on with inclusive language? So I do know that my class isn't gonna be for everyone. And the way that it's, you know, this is my first class that I'm teaching. I started teaching it before I got my certification actually. So. I'm learning what kind of teacher I'm going to be and what my style is, right? So I know that it is not going to be for everyone, but I do want people to know that no matter where they are, we can make something work. So like, how do you say, well, it doesn't matter what your body size is or your ability or your disability or what surgery you had and you can't bend your toes, <laughs> right? Like there is a way to make it work and that's going to be the pace of my class, right? Like being in the poses so that we can get you into the right pose for your body. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't matter where you've been or, you know, uh, you can find a place here if you want to be here. So are you thinking about in class or 
like marketing? Both, both kind of, um, because I just keep, I've noticed that in class, I just kind of default to here's this option. Here's this option. Maybe this is another option, but whatever feels good for you. Mm -hmm. And I default to that. And I don't, I feel like there has to be some more specific inclusive cues while in class that help them a little bit more get into whatever that is and actually feel something instead of kind of just hanging out mm -hmm. in the pose. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So this is a teaching skill and it's separate from the marketing piece, which we could touch on later. When you're in class, and this is my approach, this is what, what works for me. Mm -hmm. Think about, first of all, what's the intention? What's my purpose for this? Okay. What do I want them to get out of it? And then knowing your population, what is the version of this exercise that I know everybody in my class can do that will mm -hmm. meet the, you know, that will fulfill the goal, my goal. Mm -hmm. I know everybody can do it. Teach that version first. Teach that as the main version. Tell mm -hmm. them when you're teaching them, this is the goal. This is what you're looking for. Then as an option, if you feel really strong here, if you feel like you are able to continue achieving this goal and you want more challenge, try this. When you try this, if you can't stick with whatever it is, like if you can't feel your core engage anymore, if you can't notice your breath anymore, whatever your intention is, then go back to the first version because the intention is more important than the shape. Mm -hmm. And that's the language that to me is inclusive. That's the language that helps people find the right version of the pose because the inclination, and this, this is the great thing about working with elders is they don't tend to be like this so much. Mm -hmm. But when you work with younger people, they're still kind of working out their relationship to their ego. And they tend to just want to do the most advanced version. Like they're going to somehow benefit the most out of the most advanced version. And it's your job as a teacher to educate them that it's not about the shape. It's about their experience of the shape and what they're doing in the shape. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes it's about how, how present they can be in the shape or how, how slowly they can move their body or with how much control they can move their body, whatever it is that is the purpose of the exercise for you you need to communicate that to the students and then they will more easily be able to find the version that, that is going to lead to that mm -hmm. versus if left to their own devices, they're just going to think they need to try the hardest thing that they could even do a facsimile of. Right. Right. Okay. That is helpful. So as far as inclusive language in marketing, that's where it comes to the niche. Mm -hmm. Okay. And once you, oh, so the first thing I'd love for you to do, another, another assignment actually, is to ask your 80-year-old student to have mm -hmm. tea with you. Okay. 
and talk to her about what she, why she comes to yoga and mm -hmm. take a pen and paper and tell her, I want to pick your brain. I love having you in class. I want to find more people who are like you. And so mm -hmm. I'm going to ask you some questions about your experience of yoga and your life. And I just want to find out more about you and how you think. You take a pen and paper and you jot down her words. What words does she use? Mm, mm, mm -hmm. And then mm -hmm. you just use those words in your marketing. Okay. Yeah, that's brilliant. When we get clearer and clearer about who we're talking to, then we don't have to mm -hmm. do so much work trying to include everybody. Mm -hmm. Because the people who we're speaking to will very generously help us understand how to speak to them more clearly, how to speak to them directly. And that's not to say that there isn't value in, you know, making sure that when you are marketing and when you are in class that you're not, because the other side of inclusive language is being sensitive to marginalized populations. Mm -hmm. So, for example, avoiding overly gendered language or avoiding assuming someone's gender, using diverse bodies, if you do have images in your marketing, don't, I mean, if it's a picture of you, then you're a white woman, so yes, that's fine, but don't, like, don't grab pictures of skinny white women off the internet right. and use those. Use real, right. real bodies, real people, but most especially people that you want to attract. So, for example, you could eventually uh, even take photos of your client. You could say, you know, depending on what your relationship is, but you could say, mm -hmm. may I take some photos of you doing yoga right? and use right. them in my marketing? Mm -hmm. I'll give you some free classes or whatever. I've got basically three main assignments for you. One is to talk about yoga as much as you can to refine your ability to talk about yoga. Two is research places that already offer classes to elders and make contact and see if you could offer yoga through there. And three is take your 80-year-old student out to tea and just listen to her, find out why she loves yoga, find out what yoga does for her, what yoga gives her. One way of saying it is, what top of mind problem does yoga solve for her? Mm -hmm. If it didn't solve a problem, she would not be showing up to class. Right, right. And so when you hear how she talks about that, that's going to give you your inclusive language. Right. It is so simple. It's so simple. It's so simple. Right. Right. Oh, that's great. Awesome work today. Yeah. Thank you so much for the You're guidance. You're so welcome. Yeah. Yeah. I really appreciate it. Keep us updated. Will do. Will do. Come on. Are you on the Facebook group? You must be. I am. Yes. Yeah. I am. So come mm -hmm. back and let me know how these, how these practices go for you. I will. I will. Thank you so much for your time. Yeah, my pleasure, Katie. Appreciate it. Have a good day. You too. Bye. Bye.
Thank you again to the generous and courageous yoga teachers who participate in these coaching calls. I've had so many listeners reach out to let me know how helpful they are, and that would not be possible without the passion and vulnerability that you embody. And thank you also to each of you who listen all the way to the end, and most especially to those of you who leave reviews and who reach out to me to let me know that the podcast has impacted you and helped you. I'm grateful to get to support you and your teaching through the podcast, through workshops, trainings, and one-on-one strategy sessions. If you'd like to find out more about working with me one-on-one, you can do that at teachingyoga.net slash coaching. Until next week, just a friendly reminder to prioritize your personal practice and whatever you do, whatever works for you for self-care so that you have the resources to be able to help others and be there for others. Thank you so much for listening. Have a wonderful week. 